This is a very familiar passage of scripture, but please give it your best attention. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The young one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the figs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property and prostitute with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Good morning. Please uh, pray with me. Our risen Lord Jesus, we pray that with your word you might send your spirit this morning, that you might pierce the darkness of our hearts with the light of your healing grace, and we pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. 
Overcoming regret is our hot topic for today. Regret is both a feeling and a pattern of thinking where we dwell on something that has already happened. It's in the past. It can't be undone, but we regret that it ever happened. And we all need to know to learn how to overcome regret. It's something we need to overcome in order to live well in this world. Regret can come because we lack wisdom. We all make mistakes, we miss opportunities and make wrong or foolish choices. Regret can come because we're all sinners. We all mistreat others and others mistreat us. Regret can come because it's just our lot in life. We're all given a set of circumstances, a situation in life that we might not like, but we just have to live with. But whether our regrets come from lacking wisdom, from being sinners, or just from circumstances in life, they are potentially always with us. We are broken human beings, living with other broken human beings in a broken world. That's a recipe for plenty of regrets, and so we all need to learn how to overcome them. Now, there's plenty of good psychological advice and worldly wisdom about how to overcome regret. Just do the Google search and you'll find it. Not now, (laughs) as you reach for your phones. And any wisdom is God's wisdom, so wherever we find good advice, we should follow it. But since we are dealing with this topic in church, I wanted to find some answers that our world cannot give, and in fact, answers that perhaps we can give to our world. How does Jesus Christ help us to overcome regret? And to find some answers, I I want to take us to one of Jesus' very famous parables, as Helen pointed out. It's one that we're probably all familiar with. Perhaps we can all say without even having the Bible open. I want us to take us this very familiar passage, the the parable of the prodigal son. It's a story about a young man, about 17 years of age, who lost his way and had plenty of opportunity for regrets. What can we learn here from this young man's story? But this parable has also been called the gospel within the gospel. It points us beyond the story of the boy to the grand and larger story of God and us. And as it does so, how can we learn about how to overcome regrets by embracing Jesus Christ and engaging with the living God? Jesus Christ helps us to overcome regrets by freeing us to live differently. And I've found five adverbs to describe this freedom today. So there they are on your little sheet of paper if you've got that open. Apologies for no um, no uh, uh, overhead today that you can look at, um, but it's there in, in the old-fashioned print. Um, if I had an overhead, it wouldn't have anything else on it except for the print anyway, so you know, that, that's fine. But there's my five adverbs. Live Realistically is the first one. Listen for when the prodigal's life turned around. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. 
And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, the expression in the original is even starker. He came to himself or even he came into himself. Now, the details of this story are very well known. The boy reaches rock bottom, a once well-off young man, destitute, forced to find any work that he could, a Jew tending pigs, according to the Jewish way of seeing things, unclean animals making him unclean in the eyes of God, a human being so starving, hungry, that even the pig food looks tasty. But this stranger in someone else's country He can't even find anyone to give him anything to eat. And at that very point, he came to himself. It's what the alcoholics and addicts call a moment of clarity. Here was a turning point in his life. This was regret reaching a positive outcome. No doubt he regretted the choices he made. He now knows they were foolish. No doubt he regretted regretted his bad moral actions, the insult to his father, give me your inheritance, which is as good as saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. His mistreatment of others. He also learned what it was to be mistreated in that far country and his circumstances of life were nothing to rejoice in. But with plenty of cause for regret, he arrived at a positive position. He came to himself. He faced up to life realistically and he didn't like what he saw, he didn't like what he'd become. Now that's a brave position to come to. And sadly, not everyone can get there or even wants to get there. Many people try to overcome regret by denying they have any cause for regret at all. Sometimes this is by claiming they've never made any mistakes. The rest of us know better. Sometimes it's by adopting a kind of fatalism. What's done is done and you can't change it, so why regret it? Unfortunately, this kind of fatalism often also involves a fairly cavalier attitude to the damage you might have done to other people in the process. Some of us, sadly, who've experienced trauma, for those kind of people, such denial comes from being too frightened to admit that you have been horrendously mistreated by others and it seems safer to deny it and to construct a rosy picture of your past as if it was all sweetness and light and nothing to regret at all. But the first step to overcoming regret is to live realistically, to come to yourself and safe in the arms of Jesus Christ, there is no reason for denial. We can at last come to ourselves and live realistically and because of Jesus Christ we can also live hopefully I will arise and go to my father the boy said many people want to get uh, rid of regrets because they say regret is an unproductive emotion it doesn't help us at all but that's not always true and even science is now saying differently if regret brings us to a moment of clarity that forces change then it has become productive And that's what happened to the prodigal. He remembered where he had come from and he knew that he needed to get back there somehow if he was going to get his life back together. 
He begins to imagine a new future revolving around his father. Oh, not as a son, only as a servant. But that's where his new future will be. This is probably quite an elaborate plan. He has a speech all ready to give. As a hired servant, he could still be independent from his father somewhat. And after earning a wage, perhaps sometime down the track, he could earn enough to pay back what he'd taken from his father and maybe even provide for him in his old age. This is a face-saving plan. It looks like a win-win situation for all concerned. So he gets up to go home and put the plan to his father. Now, part of overcoming regrets is not to let the past dominate the present and drown out the future, but instead to imagine a new future that can then drown out the past. This is a decision not to live as a perpetual victim of past mistakes or past mistreatment of others or by others or terrible circumstances, but it's a decision to take active steps to move towards a better future. In other words, to hope again. This means taking control of what you can control and hope and pray that the rest then falls into place. And so the prodigal took control of what he could could control. He left the pig pen and headed home to his father, hat in hand. He can't control things after he gets back. He can't control what his dad's going to say. But at least he had a good plan to try and persuade his father to come on board with his new future. He didn't wallow in the pigsty any longer. He headed home feeling pretty good about how it might go. He had hope. He planned a brand new start. It might not work out how he planned. In fact, it works out better than he planned. But he'd made a start in the right direction. Rather than drown in regret, he dared to hope and he set out in pursuit of a new future. And with Jesus Christ, who is the Lord who died for us and rose again from the dead for us, there is always hope of something new. My third adverb, because of Jesus Christ, we can live confidently. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough? What got the boy going was remembering what his father was like. Now, for sure, no no doubt he was also contrasting his present pitiful circumstances being so badly cared for in the far country with the circumstances of the hired servants at home, being so well cared for by his father. No doubt in his hungry, destitute state, he felt it wouldn't be too bad to have what they had. But there's more to it than that going on here. For why were his his father's hired servants so well cared for? Only because of his father. The hired servants at home were well fed and well looked after because his father was like he was. And the boy knew it too. Even when he had insultingly asked for his inheritance early, his father had shown himself to be generous, kind, full of love. That's why things at home were so good. In the pigsty, in his moment of clarity when he came to himself, he remembered his father's character that he was full of grace. His hope was inspired by the grace of his father and he got up and started 
home because he was confident in his father's love. Whatever our regrets, whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, wallowing in the pigsty of our own making, or perhaps wallowing in the pigsty made for us by others, or just the pigsty given to us by the way the world is, we can be confident of one thing. God is filled with grace and love. Instead of being overcome by our regrets, we can be overwhelmed by God's grace. We can be confident of God's goodness and so our direction towards him can be positive and hopeful. Time and again, whenever we need to, we can arise, turn back to our Heavenly Father, confident of his overwhelming generosity and love. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrates so clearly to us. God is the God of grace. Have we mistreated others? Christ died so that we can be forgiven. Have others mistreated us? Christ rose from the dead so that he can make all things new. Have we made foolish choices? Christ is the source of all wisdom to overcome our folly. Have we landed in bad circumstances? Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father and is now directing all things in this world towards the glorious kingdom of God. And even our own bad circumstances are enfolded in that gracious movement towards that glorious end. Our regrets are never the final word. The final word that cancels our regrets is the word of grace that tells us all our sins are forgiven and everything is being made new. Because of Jesus Christ, we can live confidently, assured of the Father's love as we head for our final home. My fourth adverb. Because of Jesus Christ, we can live thankfully. And there's a strange source of blessing as I, as I thought about this for me and I hope I can get it across to you today in this little, little uh, adverb. Let us celebrate. The word celebrate comes through several times in this parable. Now when the boy remembered his father's care for the hired servants, it would have also brought back memories of his father's care for him. Whatever it was that made the 17-year-old kid want to leave home in the first place may have so dominated his thoughts at the time that he couldn't see the good things he had at home. He just took them for granted. But now, as he came to himself, he remembered that even his dad's hired servants were treated well. How much more his son's? Sometimes when we are frustrated or worried about our circumstances in life, it's difficult to see the golden threads woven through the blackness, the traces of good things, the little blessings along the way. And perhaps now the boy thought of some of them. Perhaps he even thanked God for them. And one of the keys to overcoming regrets is to become thankful again. Rather than being dominated by the negatives in the past that will never be undone, look for the golden threads in that past signs of God's goodness and give thanks for those things. Sometimes the regrets can take on such massive proportions in our mind 
and the good things will seem so small in comparison. But to thank God for those small blessings can eventually begin to help turn things around. They are tokens of his love and to live thankfully reminds us of his love yet again. Even in the blackness, he was always holding our hand. But again, there is more here than a wistful hint that we should give thanks for all things. If there is something here about the boy reaching a place where he at last was thankful for all that he had from his father's hands, it's only here indirectly. When it comes to thankfulness, the big point in this parable is not how thankful the boy was for his father, but how thankful his father was for the boy. There's the good news, the big news in this parable. Not how thankful the boy was for the father, but how thankful the father was for the boy. He's not just thankful that his lost son has been found, but he's overwhelmed with excitement and joy as if the boy has risen from the dead. He doesn't let the son finish his speech. He tells the servants to treat him as an honoured guest, a ring, a robe, a fatted calf, and he calls for everybody, which would have included the whole village, for total celebration at this event. And when the elder son comes and gets grumpy at his generosity, he calls upon him too to celebrate, because that is exactly the right thing for everyone to do on such an occasion. Here is a picture of God's great joy over anyone who comes to him. Now, if you read the rest of Luke 15, before Jesus told this parable, he told two other parables, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And each of those famous parables ends with all of heaven rejoicing over one person who comes back to God. And here in this parable, the prodigal son in the father, we have, we have uh, uh, the joy of heaven pictured in the father rejoicing because his lost son has come home, his dead son has been made alive. Now when regrets take hold and threaten to swallow us up, there will always be many little things to thank God for and we should look for those golden threads in the black past. But there is something more There is something huge to be thankful about. No matter how broken, sinful or messed up you are, God is thankful for you. He rejoices to see you come on home to him. And he invites us to share in his joy about us. Because of Jesus Christ, we can live thankfully. And because of Jesus Christ, we can live freely. Because he was dead and is alive, was lost and is found. Celebration is an expression of great joy and freedom. The feasting in this parable looks forward to the feasting in the kingdom of God and the freedom that we enjoy in Christ. But how did the story end? I wonder what happened next. What was the morning after like? Like many of the parables, the parable of the prodigal son and his brother, who I've left aside for this morning, is open-ended. It raises possibilities and suggests the direction forward, but doesn't say whether the participants took that direction or not. 
And by this open-ended storytelling, Jesus threw it over to his hearers to finish the story off in their own lives. Or to put it for us this morning, to finish it off in our own lives. How does the parable end for us? When it comes to regrets, as life goes on, there are plenty of mistakes and missed opportunities. We act foolishly, not wisely. We mistreat others and they mistreat us in return. Circumstances don't always shine on us on us as we would wish them to. In other words, sorry for the bad news, but if you thought you already had plenty of cause for regrets, I suspect there'll be plenty more where they came from. And it's right for us to want to overcome regret, for regret can eat away at our joy, and that rots away at our soul. But with Jesus Christ, we can live freely, even in the midst of this world as it is and with our lives as they are. As the old regrets resurface and new ones come to join them, we can still live freely because of Jesus Christ. Not free of regrets, but freely in the midst of regrets. Because of Jesus Christ, we are no longer lost, we've been found. We are no longer dead. We've been made alive. And as Jesus Christ finds the lost and raises the dead, all of heaven is filled with joy. Our Father in heaven rejoices over us and celebrates over us. The pains and difficulties of the past are swallowed up by his grace and in his joy that we are his children and that all is well with us at last. Our past is swallowed up in Jesus' past, his death and resurrection. Our future is filled with Jesus' future, the kingdom of God, his inheritance which he shares with us. And what about our present? Despite having plenty of opportunity for regrets in this world, the present is now the opportunity to rejoice with God and his son that the lost are being found and the dead are being raised and that we are among that number. So how do we continue to overcome regrets in a world that seems so full of them? Because of Jesus Christ, we can live realistically. Come to yourself. Face up to the bad things. Because of Jesus Christ, we can live hopefully. Take a step towards God in the hope of something new. Because of Jesus Christ, We can live confidently. We know what he's like, generous and kind, and we can trust him. Because of Jesus Christ, we can live thankfully. Even in the dark past, golden threads speak of God's presence and blessing. But more, he rejoices in us and he invites us to rejoice with him about us. Because of Jesus Christ, we can live freely. We are found. We are alive. And slowly, slowly, the love of God is sweeping away any cause for regret. We overcome our regrets by being overwhelmed by God's grace.